there's really not a good reason to focus on age at all on, on either side of it. Like now that we're kind of, now that I'm really thinking about it and talking about it out loud, I think that there, there is value in, in experience, but I think there's also just value in results. Right. And so I think that yes, there should be just more judgment based on what people are, are doing and, and less on how old they are and, and what they've done. You're listening to It Gets Late Early, a show about the experience of getting older in the tech industry. I'm your host, Maureen Wiley-Clough. Let's dive in. Welcome to It Gets Late Early. I have with me here today, Anthony Francis, who has a very interesting path. So he went from working on Wall Street with all the Wall Street bros to moving into the tech industry, which is pretty prominently uh, bro-centric, I would say. But Fascinatingly, he is also working now at a fertility-minded startup in New York City. So quite the path. And he likewise actually is a new father. Congratulations, Anthony. And has a podcast all about what it takes to be a successful working parent called Successful Working Parents. So welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. (laughs) Yeah, your story is a pretty dang good one, I have to say. So take me through a little bit of your work history and how you landed at Stork Club and doing a podcast about parenting. Yeah. So quick summary. So I started my career on Wall Street. I went to school for finance. I started my career on Wall Street back in the day. And definitely what you're thinking. It was like pretty <laughs> broy and also like very Wolf of Wall Street-esque. <laughs> But yep. also not young, bro. It was it was a much older crowd. It was like the old. Yeah. It was like the Wolf of Wall Street guys, like never left from the eighties, right? So it was <laughs> like mean a lot of mature older, frat house, right? Mature like frat, just, sure. Yeah, like they were yeah. in. A, they were from like the the eighties frat. But um, oh so I did gosh. that for for a few years, and it was obviously it was fun and it was it was fairly lucrative, but definitely not very fulfilling and something I really just didn't want to do the rest of my life. And I just looked around at all of the older gentlemen that really had the golden handcuffs, right? And they just couldn't leave. Yeah. And it was just too late for them. And I decided- <laughs> right, You like, get I, sucked in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I was like, all right, I got I to gotta get out of here. So I essentially talked my way into a, into the startup world, into a sales role. I wasn't really okay. doing sales on Wall Street, right? But it was similar. It was kind of like client relations and I was a, I was a voice broker. So I was doing some deal closing, but it was, it was not B2B sales. But one of the great things about the startup world is just some of that flexibility, right? They're open to different types of people from different backgrounds. And so, um, (laughs) yeah, well, I think different skill sets at least, right? Like I think that they take people from different areas. But so, yeah, so I I started doing B2B sales. Um, It was a physical well-being focused. And so that was really nice too, because it was a a little bit more aligned with my lifestyle, right? Of just kind of being like a health and fitness dude. And so I was selling that benefit into HR. Wasn't enough of a fulfillment, I suppose. And my, my, I had my quarter life crisis and I quit my job and moved to Thailand, right? As everybody does in their early, you know, in their mid twenties, classic move. Um, so I spent three months backpacking through Southeast Asia, realized, of course, fulfillment comes from the inside, not the outside. So I ended up going right back to where I started. And I got back to New York City and I got back into the tech sales startup world. I sold at, at Headspace for a while, which is more focused on the mental health space. And now in the last six months, I've been at Stork Club, which is focused on the family building and, and fertility space. And here I am. 
And here you are. I yes. mean, I, that's that's a pretty incredible path. It, it feels like you've you've grown and matured quite a bit through through the time that you've been in the workforce. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a bit of therapy here and there as well to help with the yeah. growth. But uh, yeah, it's been it's yeah. been a, it's been a fun journey for sure. Wow. Yeah, that's certainly not the traditional path that you would expect from someone who started out on Wall Street. And I'm impressed that you escaped, honestly, because I think to your point, it's really easy to get handcuffed by that sort of an industry, especially to get pulled in by the financial successes. And that's one thing I've been you know, talking, obviously, to a lot of people throughout doing this podcast. And, and one thing that one of my guests has said was essentially like, I wish that I hadn't ever thought about money in the beginning, because once you have it, it's hard to turn away from it. Sure. And you keep on getting the next opportunity and the next, you, you want to do well, right? You're a high achiever. And so by, by virtue of that alone, you kind of, you just get stuck a little bit. So kudos to you for figuring out that, you know, your happiness matters and your mental health matters and, and getting out of your own way and into this industry. So that's pretty cool. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, every year I was there for about four years on wall street and Obviously, you know, every year you make a little bit more money and it just became harder and harder to, to leave. And so I did eventually just had to take a pay cut and, and just had to cut it, you know, rip the bandaid off. But I'm glad I did. And you did it actually at an opportune time because at that stage in life, presumably, and again, I'm kind of putting words in your mouth, but you didn't have a kid at that point. Correct. You probably had a little bit more flexibility, a little less responsibility, right? So you could make that change. Whereas if you had stayed and gotten more and more salary and accumulated all of that wealth and then had children, it would be really hard to pull, you know, pull, push that button and eject and start somewhere else. So. Um, yeah. I'm really glad that you got out before it was too late. So yeah, and, and shout out to all the old old dudes that are still there, still still doing, <laughs> still fighting a good fight. And maybe they love it. Hopefully, and and you know now I, I would hope at least they're they they, they <laughs> don't they don't they hate it yeah, they hate themselves they they're do. miserable. Yeah. Yes. Um, but hopefully there are some older ladies or ladies at all or other types of people there now as well. There was we'll no, see. I mean it was we'll it was 99 percent male, you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it definitely has that vibe. And and I used to work at Bloomberg. And so I can tell you, you know, the type okay, of person yeah. that they would pick to work at Bloomberg, I was a 24 year old woman, and they picked right. a lot of us to work there. And we were working yeah. with a lot of them. So right. you do yeah. the math. It classic. kind of was an interest, very classic. It's like, okay, all right. Yeah. Um, so we all know what's going on here. Anyway, uh, so now you are at a company that focus on focuses on fertility, which I mean, I think, first and foremost, I want to point out the fact that you as a guy are going into that industry, I think is so incredibly cool because whether we like to admit it or not, our society is pretty sexist. I just saw the Barbie movie, by the way, everyone run and see it. I didn't know what to expect. It was incredible. Now I get it. Um, everyone of every gender persuasion, whatever you see, it's incredible. Um, quick plug. But you are out there in an industry that's very obviously female centric. And I think that it is a tough thing to get a lot of guys to do because we just have all of these biases in this in this realm. And it's hard for men in the workplace even to say, hey, I'm going to go pick up my kid from daycare to their boss without fear of repercussion, because that's that's the system that we have. And it's getting broken down. And it's people like you doing the work you're doing at a fertility company, being a dude, openly talking about being a parent in your podcast, like, this is how we're going to make change. So, I mean, honestly, I'm grateful to you. So tell me a little bit about what that's been like for you as a guy. I appreciate that. I mean, it's, it's been great. You know, my career has kind of gone from, I've, I tried to like follow my interests. And so I was doing physical well-being stuff. And then I moved into mental well-being as that became more interesting to me and meditation was more interesting. And then when we started 
planning for a family of our own, I thought it would be really great to move into the family building space. And to your point, I think it was actually hard to break into it before my, my daughter was just born like six weeks ago. So when I, when I first had the idea, thanks. Yeah. So when I first had the idea to move into the space, companies were, I think, per, you know, preferring to hire females. One, you know, one vendor I spoke to, they ended up going with a different candidate because they, that candidate was able to make more of an emotional connection is what they said, which mm, I, I assume meant they probably were a mom, right? Which is great. But yeah. I think that, so I think that that's, um, you know, the challenge I've, I kind of face going into it. And then it, it did help to just be more forward with my journey, right? Like that we were pregnant that we had been trying and, and that we were, you know, excited to build a family. And once I sort of shared that, it was really helpful. And it's just nice to be aligned. You know, it's nice to find a job that you are, that is aligned with where you are in life. And I think that that has been what I've tried to do ever since I, I left Wall Street, you know, 10 years ago. I just think it's really compelling that you were able to shift from that realm and and that you weren't, clearly you weren't at all daunted by the potential negative stereotypes that you would be receiving as a result of going into this, you know, soft world compared to Wall Street. So uh, I, I could see that being a hurdle for a lot of guys. Yeah, it definitely took me a while. I think I definitely, I, I probably was, I mean, I was a little embarrassed actually. Like I think I didn't really tell everybody there like what I was going to do. I kind of just quit one day and they they escorted me out of the building and that was kind of <laughs> that was kind of the end of it. I really only kept in touch with a few people from there. So, it was sort of an adjustment of of just changing, you know, ch- changing jobs and changing lifestyles and it was very as broy as Wall Street is, it also is a, a, a it's a really work hard, play hard environment and and definitely, you know, emphasis on the work hard. Like they they don't mess around there and I think when I moved into the startup world it took me a while to just get used to even the concept of working from home or mm-hmm. playing ping pong or, or taking a break, <laughs> even taking a break for lunch, right? We used to eat lunch at our desk. So I think just getting used That's to so true. getting used to that adjustment. Well, and you were also in startups that were leaning heavily towards that mindset sort of mentality, right? The, hey, you worked at Headspace, right? They were all about like mental well-being and that sort of thing. So very different from Wall Street, right? Um I mean, I, I can't really imagine much more different in those two worlds. There's no meditation going store, on. Store club, on the, maybe. <laughs> yeah. There's no meditation going on on the on the on the trading floor. That's for sure. <laughs> definitely not. Definitely yeah. not. Well, tell me a little bit more about what you've felt as you've gone through your career. How age has come up for you, if it has? Yeah, it's come up a lot. I mean, there's definitely some. I don't know if you'd call it reverse ageism. I don't know if ageism is only in one direction, but when I was Oh first, no, it's both ways. Right. So when I was first on Wall Street, I mean, first of all, for a little while I was really like coffee bitch. I don't know if I say bitch, but I was coffee, <laughs> coffee getter. The you coffee can, getter. You can absolutely say that. <laughs> okay. So and, you know, and that and and that was so that it was, again, it was all men in their fifties and then and then me. And then, and then to your point, they would, they would hire some, you know, 24 year old women as well to be on you know, one for <laughs> yeah. each desk, you know, for, to be another for, coffee bitch yeah. to be a very, yeah, well, I'm not going to, not going to call them that, but yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and so there was a lot of just, you know, oh, you're this, you know, you're the young kid, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. And so when I started to actually do the same work as them, there was a lot of bias against me. And so there was a lot of that. And then, but on the flip side, there was also my ability to outwork them in certain ways. And there was a lot of entertaining we would do with clients. And so I did find that the older guys couldn't really keep up 
and my, <laughs> my ability to just like form relationships and friendships with our clients and, and take them out in different ways. And so, so were I the tried, clients your age or theirs? They were that's, kind that's of in the middle. They weren't like fresh out okay. of college, but they were definitely, they're probably like my age now, right? They're probably in their, more okay. in their 30s and some in their 40s. So I think, you know, I tried, you tried to use that to your advantage, but there was definitely just a lot of um, b- bias towards people with more experience. And yeah. It's it really except interesting. for when it came to partying, they're like, except "You've for, got this tone." Exactly, that was really that really was it. Yeah. <laughs> We're uh, gonna outsource the partying element to you. <laughs> yeah, which is interesting because, uh, as I'm sure we'll get to, right in the in the tech and startup world, it's not as helpful, or not not that it's not as helpful. It's that not doesn't seem as desirable from a hiring perspective. They they're not really they don't really want someone that has 30 years in the industry. Whereas oh, no. that mm-hmm. was like really all it was about back then, right? It was like. You had to pay your dues. You were green. Yep. And, you know, they knew what they were doing. You know, like they forgot more about being a broker than you'll ever remember, like that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's not even an impressive thing to say. Have you forgotten more about something than I'll ever learn? Like it's not, it's not impressive <laughs> to have forgotten all that stuff, you know? I'm with you there. Yeah. I don't <laughs> really, yeah. I don't think I approve that. <laughs> yeah. I don't like that message. Oh, no, there's absolutely reverse ageism. I mean, I guess you could just call it ageism because it's all about being stereotyped for your age, right? That's it. So it can go both ways. Um, I'm generally speaking, probably a little bit more concerned about it being on the older side because of the preference for youth in our society overall. But you can absolutely be, you know, a victim of ageism as a young person. And you were definitely feeling some of that at at your Wall Street firm, because of course you had skills you were capable, you were learning, right? And so you shouldn't have had it held against you. But it does sound like you probably had some pretty fun nights as a result of being the go-to guy for like, Tone, take the clients out here, <laughs> go do this, right? We definitely um, had, had a lot of that. I, I will say also, <laughs> I think that there's a lot of value on being young, even in that environment, because when you're succeeding, it's it's so much more impressive when you're young, right? I think that that's another part of it too, right? So like, I always felt like a little bit of pride in being successful and and being someone younger than them, right? Where it's like, yes. they're, they're just 55. It's not impressive that they're being even more successful than me, right? Of course, you should yeah. be more successful than I am because you have 30 more years on me. Yeah, so I could de- I definitely see that as being a, a negative for, for an older person, even in that role. For sure. Did you, when you were younger in those roles, whether that was in Wall Street or on Wall Street or in the startup world, did you ever, I mean, did you have the same pressure that I felt? And I know so many feel when we are bombarded by messages of, you know, Forbes 30 under 30 and this just like intense obsession with people who reach the pinnacle at a certain age. Did you feel that internal or external pressure to achieve early? So definitely also because I've really switched industries after about four years, right? So let's say I'm like, I'm like 25-ish, maybe 26 I, I also felt like I had like was five years behind. So, oh, gosh. right. So like, then there's people, so like, it That's wasn't horrible. Like, right. But it's like, yeah, it's like, I'm not going to make the, the, you know, the 30 under 30 list for salespeople because <laughs> I, I just started. Right. So I, I think yeah, that yeah. there was definitely that aspect to it too. Like as, as helpful as it was to be young and it's still young to be 25, 26, of course, mm-hmm. to be um, starting a career at that age when there's other people that, you know, have five years in you, it, it, it also kind of, there's pressure on you to, you're already too old. I just think that's so damaging to our psyche collectively. And I know, uh, I know that people are feeling intense, increased rates of 
you know, depression and anxiety. And I can't help but feel that this sort of external pressure and all these public lists and all this just vaunting of the status of young people is, is an absolutely deleterious effect on all of us. So, and it, it's bad for young people and it's bad for old people, right? Like if you're in your shoes, you're 24, 25, and you think you're behind that's insane. Your life has barely begun. And it also, on the flip side, really sucks. I'm 40. Should I just go off myself now? Because I didn't hit the 30 under 30 club? Like, that's ridiculous. So I really think we need a reset and a shift. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I I feel much better now. (laughs) But it's just crazy. Like, why are we, why are we doing this to ourselves? This is, this is ludicrous. No, I I mean, a hundred percent. There's really not a good reason to focus on age at all on, on either side of it. Like now that we're kind of, now that I'm really thinking about it and talking about it out loud, I think that there, there is value in, in experience and, but I think there's also just value in results. Right. And so I think that yes, there should be just more judgment based on what people are, are doing and, and less on how old they are and, and what they've done. Hey, quick break here. If you or anyone you know are looking for a new tech job and you're aiming for a company that understands the value of experienced workers, sign up for our email list where we'll send you jobs from companies that we hand select as a fit for tech employees over 40. Go to itgetsleteearly.com and add your email. Now back to the show. I mean, what a concept, right? (laughs) And I guess (laughs) let's, let's unpack a little bit the difference for you in your mind between age, chronological years, number of them on the planet, and your stage of life. Like, are you a parent? Are you not? Are you caring for an elderly parent? Are you, you know, do you have other things going on in your life based on what stage in life you are? Tell me a little bit about your thoughts there. I mean, I think that's more relevant, right? Like what stage you're at in life, because I also, I did not get married till I was, I didn't meet my wife till I was 31, right? I'm 36 now, I believe I'm 36. I'm going to be 36. And, uh, in September and I just had my first child. So I was actually able to have a little bit more of that, um, like flexibility, right. And, and ability to focus more on work and not have other obligations that I'm just now starting to realize I just can't do the way I used to. And so I do think that it is less or should be less about age. And it is, it does really come down to more of your life circumstances. I mean, I have friends that started having kids at 23, right. And they, they just couldn't do some of the things that I was able to do from a, a hours work perspective and a, no. you know, a balancing you time see now. career. Yeah, I see it. Yeah, yeah, I get it now. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, there was an executive that I worked with once uh, at Concur and she was incredible. And I, I remember right before she somewhat mentored me and, and right before I went on maternity leave, I asked her, I said, you know, how do you do all of this? How can you accomplish so much? Like, how, how am I going to be able to handle all of this? And she's like, Trust me, working parents, especially mothers, you know, we're focused on that aspect because I was about to be a mother, but she said, mothers are the most efficient workers I know because they know when they're home, they got to be on, right? Like they don't have the ability to just let things drag on. So she's like, you get ruthlessly efficient. So I thought that was a really interesting reframe and it helped me a bit. Um, As I discussed with you on your podcast recently, uh, when we were recording the interview, I I found out belatedly that I have adult ADD and it makes so much sense why that ruthless efficiency part is harder for someone like me, right? Because I am a creative. I have a lot of different things going on all at once in my, in my little brain. And so it's, it's a little bit more difficult, I think, for a parent if, uh, if you have that particular uh, thing going on, but it, it is true that because you're forced to do more and less, 
you you make it happen somehow, right? And and so I think that's one important piece of it, but you don't have that ability to be perceived as the person who's just going to sit there button seat all day and grind. You can't do that. And so I think that does hurt you in a lot of organizations and I'm hoping I'm hoping we move more towards a results only work environment which I know is a creed that you hear spouted about uh, here and there but it's it's so important because that's where you can get towards more equality across all different types of forms of of difference at the workplace right yeah yeah I mean they the saying is if you need something done give it give it to a busy person right and so I <laughs> yes. do think Yes. And, and I do see that. Like, I actually do see that now in my own life in the last month. Like, I do feel like I'm kind of just cranking stuff out in a, in a more efficient way. So there, there is strength in that. But but I think, you know, at the end of the day, to your point, like, there just, there's just, a, a, there's too much other stuff in your life to do that you just, you can't really work the way you used to work. Right. Yeah. And so hopefully people will just learn to to do what that woman said, it was just be ruthlessly efficient because yeah. that's, that's the way you're going to rise to the top or yeah. at least just like hold your job. <laughs> you know, that would be nice too. Start there, um, yeah. So, so tell me, what are you going to do? How are you going to feel when you get your first gray hair? If you haven't already? Oh my God. I know. I mean, mm. I don't think I have any yet, but I know that they're coming. <laughs> I think that's all I got going for me actually is, is, is my head of hair at this point. So <laughs> once there's any receding, you know, I think for, you know, for 30, you know, soon to be 36 year old, I think it's not bad. So I think once there's some receding hair and there's some grays, I don't know, I guess I'll have to start dying it, you know? Oh, gosh. I actually don't. That, I so actually that... don't. I want, I'd like to embrace it and maybe just rock the salt and pepper up, you know? I love that. And, in you know, for men, it's typically something that is just, you know, it's, it's you get the stamp of approval for that. I think, I honestly think in many ways it's going to help you. And it's, of course, the exact opposite for women. So, but it, well, I, I hear, yeah, go ahead. I mean, if you want to talk, you know, we were talking about ageism, like you, obviously you see me, like, I, I imagine when you first saw me, you didn't think I was 36. I think I look very, I look very young for my age, which is also like not helped a lot in earlier in life. Yeah. Ah, tell me more about that. People now assume I'm like in my late twenties, which is great. When I was 22, okay. 23, 24, people thought I was like <laughs> 16, 17. And so there was less really, great. there was, yeah, it was less <laughs> helpful then. And so I still think that there's a lot of people, you know, people meet me at Porsche you, you can't see them. I'm not standing, but I'm also like, you know, not the tallest, tallest of dudes. So I think people often assume I'm a lot younger than I am and, and treat me that way. Um, so I think that that's, you know, that's a factor as well. But I, yeah, that's why I'll probably embrace when I look older, because I think it'll be, it'll act. I think there's, there is value in, in being and looking older, right? I think there's a lot, there is value in that. So I, I think we should got to remove some of those stereotypes. I think so too. So that's great. So so you're, you're not, you're not fearful of it. I think for women, I'm going to speak on behalf of women here, which is a dangerous thing to do, but I would say for most women, we are afraid of aging like crazy. We are, we are terrified of it. Absolutely terrified of it. And I don't blame myself for that. I blame society. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I think we're going to, we're going to shift that very, very soon here. I'm seeing a lot of really positive signs, but, uh, I, I have heard actually an increasing number of men out loud opine that they're nervous about getting older too. And it's something that I think for a lot of men, it like hits them out of nowhere. They haven't conceived of it because they haven't been receiving all those don't you dare get old messages from the beauty industry. Because um, you guys don't really, well, I shouldn't say you guys. Some some men love being beautiful and they take great care of themselves and they're bought into that, but it's not the same beast that it is for women, right? So, um, but I, I'm hearing a little bit more chatter about men and I think the interesting part that I've found as I've been doing this project is 
men don't necessarily see it coming the way women seem to anticipate this this discrimination and this marginalization. Like I think men are caught by surprise often, especially if they've continued to go through their career and rise the corporate rise the ranks of the corporate ladder. I don't think they see it see it coming. Yeah, I mean the when I think about aging, I think there's 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 two or as many aspects to it, but there's two things that come to mind for me. The first is just like what your physical body can do. And of course, do I wish that I could still, you know, drink like I used to and not be hungover and exercise the way I used to and not be sore and and do I feel creaks where I didn't used to feel creaks? I do. And I <laughs> and I don't like it and I wish I didn't feel it. I think that the other side of it is what I think we'll also be talking about is just in the workspace and what your skill set is as an as an older person and and when that skill set's no longer of value. And so I do want to say, like, again, I don't I'm not I know I'm not that old. So I, I do think that I'm of the generation <laughs> where the technology, it to me is the biggest is the biggest like um threat to older folks. I don't know how how we're referring to them, but people of uh, I think people of uh, over a certain age of advanced age. I have found which in that, tech can start as young as 36 by the way. Yeah, studies I have, have shown. I, sure, I have I have found that to be the biggest challenge for people I've I've worked with who are old and I do feel like get get pushed out and get get aged out mm. is the inability to use technology the way that the job demands or the job is beginning to demand. I know I've I, there was a I was working with a couple of really seasoned uh, salespeople, and they didn't know how to use a like a outreach tool. That's called was called outreach, like to do like sales cadences and things like that. And it just hurt them a lot, right? They just weren't able to produce the way they needed to, and and it also just made optically optically made them look like they weren't doing work because with the automation of a tool like that, it looks like I'm cranking out hundreds of emails a week. And it looks like they're doing four. So I, I think that that has been a big, that's one thing I've noticed a lot is just people's inability to keep up with the technology. I think we're kind of at that age where like we remember, we remember the pre-internet era, but we kind of like have been able to continue to grow with technology. So I don't know if maybe this next wave of AI I, I can't keep up with, but so far I've been able to, to manage it. But I definitely see that as a huge, huge threat. Well, the good news is for AI, I mean, we're all in the same boat here. Like, you know, it doesn't matter your age. It's an equal playing field. We all have the opportunity to become AI experts, whether you're 80 or our age, right? And so that's going to be somewhat of an equalizer, I think. And one of my past guests who's in his 60s looking for a job after a layoff, he said he said that too. He said it's actually a hopeful thing for him because he can master it as well as a 22-year-old at this age. But I think the damaging thing, so I understand exactly what you were saying about the the optics being poor for those salespeople who were not using outreach, but I think I think the twist on it and the reframe on it is it's not that here's my sense, and you tell me because you were there, but my sense is it's not that they were unable to use the technology. It's that they were unwilling because they probably thought, gosh, I'm I'm a great seasoned salesperson. I know what I'm doing. I get results. I don't need to use this thing. But sometimes when you're at an organization, optics matter and you have to read the room about what that organization values. And if it's adherence to company standards and policies and tools that they're pushing, well, you got to read that room or you're going to be potentially on the chopping block. So, but it's an, it's not an inability to, you know, grasp the technology would be my bet. It's just an unwillingness. 
It's certainly more of an unwillingness, right? They've had a lot of success without using it, and it's just something they haven't used before. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not here to say that someone who's 55 or 60 years old can't figure out how to use technology, but oh, it also certainly not. It doesn't, yeah. But it, I don't think I'm talking out of turn when I say that it doesn't come as naturally to them, right? So the, the learning curve is there in a way it might, it might not be for somebody who's in their 20s or, or 30s who's used those tools before. And I think that that was, you know, a part of some percentage of the challenge. It was just not thinking it was worth doing and, and feeling like they, they've always done it without it. And then, well, here's this, this new thing I have to learn how to do. And like anything, it, it's not fun. It's not fun. And, and change can be hard, right? And um, I think particularly if you've reached a certain point of success, you might think, well, why do I need that? Right? So I see how that could be. I, I see how that could come into play. And uh, if you have that resistance, you're probably going to have a longer learning curve too, just because mentally you won't be in it, right? You're not going to, you're not going to try that hard. You're going to begrudgingly go and do a tutorial or whatever. You're going to lean too hard on some other colleague to get you through that because you don't think it's valuable. So I, I can see how that would come into play and be really dangerous. In fact, for an older employee. Yeah. I mean, I'm, you know, what are some of the main or what what do they what do they say are some of the main reasons why older people are discriminated against when it comes to searching for jobs is it do you think it is a technology debt thing or do you think it's just it's just a bias against their ability to work harder or what do they what are the you know what do the studies show i think it's all those things it's absolutely all of those things but most prevalent really it's the discrimination against them based on the stereotypes of, like you said, the inability to learn technology, you know, all those concepts of you can't teach an old dog new tricks, that sort of thing, that sort of way of thinking, the set in their ways, begrudging, doesn't like change, you know, resistant, um, which, you know, if you look at the flip side, it means that companies are, are valuing, uh, you know, the young energy, you know, there are all these coded language components of it, yeah. right? So, um, so there's a lot of that in play. And th the concept that you can't actually have the ability to grasp new things. In fact, you can, you can do so you can grasp things from an emotional perspective and, and like synthesize information from different sources and make a better decision. That's something your brain gets better at over time. And I'm going to try to bring on an expert who can explain all of that. But it's it's really a harmful thing because it, it stops people before they even get the chance for an interview, right? Like they, there are ways to filter people out based on years of experience and pre-screen people and, and pre-screen them out. Like that's, that's absolutely in play. Um, and, you know, I have a friend who's looking for, I mean, he's, he's an incredible executive. He's been at top companies in, in Seattle and he went to an executive recruiter and the executive recruiter said, you know, your, your biggest problem, even though you have had ex an exemplary career, you've been a founder, you've been an executive at Microsoft, et cetera. He's like, your biggest problem is that you're a 50 plus year old white guy. Like, that's going to be hard for you. <laughs> yeah. um, and your age is going to be the hardest thing for you to overcome. And that's someone who places senior level people in jobs in technology. So, you know, you're hearing it from a, a recruiter, which, you know, a recruiter who's at an agency has a better lay of the land. He knows, he or she knows, in this case, it's he, what these companies, what the hiring managers are looking for, what the companies are looking for. And he's like, it's not you. <laughs> they are not looking for you. And yeah. that is... That's shocking to me because if you don't want that guy with all he knows and all he's done, who do you want? And yeah. and that that terrifies me because yeah. that's, I, I think, sort of an encapsulation, a microcosm of the entire industry because that guy who's the recruiter, he, he has the lay of the land. So um, well, he's I just giving it to the applicant straight, you know? 
Yeah. I mean, I definitely see that a lot. So I work in sales and basically there's like two tracks, right? There's like the individual contributor track, which is what I do where you essentially do your own, you know, you're just a salesperson, not just, but you're a salesperson. And then there's also not the management. Yeah. Not, we're not just stand strong. Sales <laughs> we people. love salespeople. Yeah. <laughs> we need uh, you. <laughs> or, or there's of course the management track. And so I find definitely a huge bias against older people in the individual contributor track for a few reasons, the ones we talked about, but also, and I'll say I've been guilty of this, in, you know, maybe when I was younger, maybe still, but it's, it, there's almost this question of why are you still in this role at 55 yes. instead of 35 yes. or 25? I think that's a big, yes. I mean, that's a big one, a big bias for me. And I'm sure that that's a question that's coming up on the, you know, on the hiring manager side too. Absolutely. And I've heard actual leaders of companies that I've spoken to off the record admit that. Why does this person not have more to say for themselves after 40, 45 years on the planet? Why aren't they higher up in their career? And the person who's saying that, well, that person has actually gotten up to the top. And so it's a different view from up there, right? And perhaps you can't see behind the scenes all the other things that are in play or, or perhaps just your skill set or your interests. And not everybody should be a leader. Not everybody can be a leader. It's yeah. supply and demand. So it, it's just, I think there's a hard time there there is a hard element of this where if you aren't super if if your personal brand and I hate that term but it's what it is if your personal brand isn't strong enough at the executive level when they're making decisions about layoffs and whatnot and you're an IC and your salary because you've been in the job for longer is higher than that of someone who's you know significantly younger than you doing the same job unless you have that relationship and someone's giving that information to someone who's making the spreadsheet decisions there for the layoff list, like you're, you're screwed. Like you're absolutely screwed because experience is, even if you're just this person to whom all the others go for expert guidance and whatnot, that doesn't get translated on that spreadsheet. And so that's, I think, where there's a lot of risk for people who haven't actually climbed that ladder. And I think I intuited that from a young age. I had that pressure. Gosh, I got to keep climbing. I got to keep climbing. And I honestly don't know how much of it was true, truly ambition on my part and how much of it was honestly just fear, just straight up fear. Like I will be obsolete if I don't do this and I better hurry the F up, you know? You know, I mean, I hadn't really thought about it until I started talking to you, but now I feel the need to start moving to the management track instead and get off the no, IC track. That is know? not what I want. I think we're gonna have I think we're gonna have a sea change in movement. I think I think we're gonna redefine and rebrand experience and, and age diversity is gonna be important across even the indi individual contributor level levels. But it's gonna yeah. take a while. <laughs> no, I mean it's it's such a good point in, in my in my you know, in my space. Like are you are you gonna hire somebody who has like 20 years, but is like 80K more in, in base versus someone that's been doing it for maybe seven years, right? And, and so I think that at some point they weigh the differences and it's like, well, they've been, it does get viewed as the same job. I think that's a huge problem. Like, I hate that we have to have these things in our heads, but until we start pushing for change, that that's what it is. It's the status quo. I do think it's going to get better. I really, really do. I think this this ism is going to be dismantled systematically over time, um, much in the same way we've had our focus on other very important uh, pieces of discrimination. Jury's out on how successful we've been, but you know, awareness is step one. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about what it's been like for you becoming a dad in the workplace? Yeah, I mean, it's been... It's been nice just being a dad in general. I've really enjoyed, <laughs> really enjoyed it. Your so pro far. recommend seems great. 
Yeah, I do recommend highly. Okay. It's been good. Um, I think that you know, my my company obviously is a little biased because they're in, in the family building space, but they've been very supportive. And so I think that it's been it's helped me to feel more connected to people that are going through that as well. I think it's been nice to feel that the outpour, but it also it's really as a father, like it's definitely shifted my focus and values, but at the same time has, you know, invigorated a need to provide, you know? So it's like, suddenly I have something more important in my life and then shout out to my wife. Of course, she was more important to me than work, but you know, something, I have, something, <laughs> good man, good you know, man. something else, something else important, right? This really important <laughs> being that needs me. And, and, you know, you want to just dedicate time to being a family man. Yeah. But you also feel a desire to um, do, you know, provide for that family. And so yeah. I cho- I've chosen, yeah. yeah. And so I, I've actually chosen, I'm deferring my, my family leave till a little bit later in the year uh, just because I wanted to um, focus on the sales, the, the sales season right now. And so, you know, uh, that was just my own choice, right? My employers are very supportive of me taking off, but you know, there's things like that that I just I do feel the drive and the desire to, the pressure even to 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 do that. That's real. That's real. It's not just about you anymore, right? Um, and so I think what you said about taking your paternity leave is fantastic because we should all take our parental leave, especially men. Um, and I'm I'm thrilled that you're going to do it because that is actually how we get to gender equality. That's, that's it. Um, that, that helps us because until and unless men who are fathers also do that, it's, it's hard to actually make it equal for women. Right. I'm really grateful to have had you here today. And I, again, I'm so impressed that you, for whatever reason, had it within you to decide to move from wall street into tech, into fertility tech of all places. I mean, from Headspace to Stork Club, that is an incredible path. And then to actually be hosting a conversation about parenting as a man, like, thank you. That's, that's literally exactly what we need. So I hope everybody takes, takes a chance to go and listen to tone. You may or may not see a familiar face on there at some point. Um, yours truly, but I just, thank you seriously on, on behalf of all of us, like you're doing, you're doing the work and it's really actually more important than I think you realize it's, it's critical. I appreciate you saying that. Thank you. It's true. It's true. So thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. This has been great. Thanks for joining us today at It Gets Late Early. I hope this episode was insightful and entertaining. Now, before you go, if you're old and work in tech, just like me, I have something really cool for you. We're putting together a job board specifically for seasoned tech workers, where we'll curate the best opportunities for experienced tech talent. If you want a place to look for work where you can trust there won't be so much bias in the hiring process, go to itgetsleteearly.com and sign up so you'll be the first to know when we launch it. Thanks and see you next time.